Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. It is a scorcher out there today. A hot June weekend. Uh, we are recording on Father's Day. People have taken some time away from their pops to come and join me here at the SGN studios. Of course, we're all re- recording remotely, which makes uh, the studio in cyberspace. Joining us again, uh, lovely co-host, Absolute Peach, for her second episode. Hannah, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. This is Hannah Saunders. I'm a contributing writer for SGN, and I am here to co-host. And for her first episode, we have... I like to call her Lois Lane because she does way too many stories every week. I get to edit them. It's very, very fun. Uh, Lindsay, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi. Yeah, I'm also a contributing writer for SGN. Uh, my name is Lindsay Anderson, originally from Spokane, Washington, and a recent college graduate. Thank you, Lindsay. And I am A.V. Eichenbaum, associate editor and acting editor-in-chief here at the SGN. Just happy to be here, happy to be alive. Um, I do have a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Um, Capitol Hill Pride is happening uh, next weekend. That it, It's uh, going to be the 26th and the 27th. Seattle Gay News will not be taking part. We will, in fact, be moving our booth um, along with Malcontent News and our friends over at Unite Seattle to the AIDS Memorial Pathway uh, nearby. For more on that, you can look at our social media or um, read up hashtag uh, boycott Capitol Hill Pride 2021. On that note, how's your Father's Day going, everybody? It's really good. My dad, he woke up and put a huge pork roast on the smoker, (laughs) which was really nice to just wake up and smell the smoker going. Um, It's been pretty relaxing so far. Went for a walk. It was way too hot, so I ran back inside and just sat in front of the fan for a little bit. That's awesome. Lindsay, how about you? Yeah, I actually drove four hours yesterday from Seattle at the crack of dawn to get to Spokane to surprise my dad for Father's Day weekend. And that was fun. He was very surprised. And I actually haven't seen him yet today because he (laughs) got up early to go golf because he is a white straight man and that is his favorite thing to do. Well, that's great. Well, my my dad, um, I called him yesterday because I've been so busy with everything. I called to warn him that I might forget that it was Father's Day, and I 100% forgot until you guys uh, let me know earlier today. So I'm glad I covered my bets. Um, He just, I'm very proud of my father. He just opened up his own um, private practice law firm, which he's been talking about doing since I was maybe five years old. So way to go, Rich. Hey. Go, Rich. You listening to this? Yeah, way to go. That's awesome. All right, well... Guys, it's Pride Week when this is coming out. It coincides with our pre-Pride edition, uh, which is lovely, by the way. If you haven't picked up a copy, it's a triple special issue. We've got three big, beautiful sections for you. I have had too much coffee today. Is there anything that you guys want to cover here? I really want to talk about, first off, Geisha Star, G.S. Matencio, does a wonderful sort of tell-all piece talking about finding herself as a, as a trans woman. She's right on the front page of uh, our second section, uh, which the theme for that is elevating and amplifying. Our first section's theme is looking forward, looking back. And of course, we've got our standard 
news section. Yeah, I've met Geisha now. Uh, talked to her a bunch of times over this. Just a wonderful a person. Star. Definitely a star. Just a wonderful person. And I'm very, very happy to be looking forward to her next two pieces for our next two special issues. Um, yeah, just a, a really heartfelt piece through and through. I highly recommend everyone go out and read it. Hey, you know, Lindsay, looking at the uh, normal news section, we've got a little bit about the Pope. Uh, Mike Andrew, staff writer for many, many years, writing about the Pope. You're Catholic-ish, right? Yeah, so I was raised Catholic, uh, again, by very wonderful white straight people in my life, and attended a Jesuit university, so very immersed in the Catholic culture, although I'm not as active as my grandmother wishes I was today. But yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this story. It was wonderfully written by Mike Andrew, and it talks about some of the controversy that's come up with Joe Biden, who is currently the second Catholic president of the you know the United States, so finally representing my people. You know, just kidding, I'm white, so they've all been <laughs> representing my people. Um, but yeah, here he is, and one of the issues is that Joe Biden is what my mother would call a cookie-cutter Catholic, which means that he picks and chooses what he likes to um, agree with the church on which also means that he is an advocate for human rights, unlike a lot of other people in the Catholic Church. So he is very, you know, widely known as an abortion rights advocate. He is not going to be fighting to prevent women from the right to choose. And he also is an advocate for gay marriage, two things that the church has recently kind of put up their heels and dug in and been fighting against. So while he also attends Catholic Church weekly, a lot of the um, priests that do communion have refused to do to offer Eucharist to Joe. And that's just our fancy Catholic way of saying drinking the blood of God. Um, it's you know very metal and yet they won't allow Joe Biden to do it because they think that he is not a devout enough Catholic. And basically this week, the Pope, the big daddy of, you know, the Catholic Church, he just said, lighten up, you guys. Joe Biden is cool. We can give him some body and blood of Jesus if that is what he wants. And yeah, it's a great read by Mike Andrew if anybody wants to check that one out. Yeah, when I think Joe Biden, I think hip metal daddy-o <laughs> and, uh, you know, drinking the blood of Christ is is fairly hardcore, you know? I. And, uh, well, my religion doesn't do that. You know, Jesus is cool and all. I, I like the guy. Uh, didn't know him personally, obviously. But, I mean, like, he's a mensch. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus was a mensch. He's a good guy. But um, this this whole thing goes way beyond me and my understanding of of religion. So I really appreciate you uh, stepping in and, and talking about that. Hannah, you wrote a piece about a uh, Vice documentary, right? Yeah, so earlier this month, Vice released an incredible documentary called HIV, The Forgotten Pandemic, and it basically went into the entire history of the HIV crisis and pretty much explained where HIV is currently at in the community. Super educational, super interesting. They had a couple sources uh, on there from Seattle, actually, and I had the opportunity to speak with one. Neil, and he just relayed a bunch of amazing information about living with HIV that I probably would not have known if I hadn't spoke to him. So I definitely recommend that you give the 
at least give the documentary a watch. It is worth your time. Excellent. Yeah, it's um, it is the 40th anniversary of the AIDS epidemic. Of course, our paper really hit its stride then with George Bacon taking over and sort of um, printing what other people wouldn't print, which is gay obituaries and, and news about it. So highly recommend you watch the documentary. Um, I'm going to get around to it as soon as I have a lot less paperwork to do. Uh, but it, it looks great. Um, so every week we've got Lars Moriendi writing the, uh, you know, the horoscopes. And every week it fails to make it onto our website. And I, I mean, it's not, I guess, a big deal, but it's a little bit of a deal. It's a small deal. Yeah, Lars puts in so much work and I feel like we need to share their voice. Yeah, Lars Moriendi is, for those of you who are unfamiliar, a mysterious Capitol Hill mystic, uh, sort of a hermit, uh, sort of a crotchety, ancient being. Um, anyway, here are the horoscopes for this week. Seattle Gay Horoscope. Aquarius, whatever it is, don't let it go to your head. You've still got a lot of work to do. Practice being grateful. Pisces, the storm will pass soon. Hold on, keep your head down, and keep on trucking. Aries, sometimes people are just dumb. You can't force them to understand something they refuse to consider. Taurus, you're on the brink of a great new adventure, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. Gemini, are you in trouble with someone you care about? Consider that you may be in the wrong. Cancer, when it feels like logic has left the building, sometimes the best thing to do is leave with it. Leo, boil an egg. Virgo, Check in on your loved ones. They may be doing things that don't make sense because their horoscope told them to. Support them. Libra. I'm not sure why you did what you did, but you've got to forgive yourself and move on. Toast falls butter side down. That's just life. Scorpio. You don't usually talk to your mail carrier. Why is that? They seem nice enough. What's your deal? Get over yourself. Sagittarius. Your life is about to get very, very complicated. Your next few moves are crucial to mitigating the situation. Capricorn. What's on your mind today? Is it useful? If its only purpose is strengthening your own self-doubt, let it go. Buy yourself a latte. Well, Lars, a lot of breakfast-themed things during the uh, second half of those horoscopes there. Um, you doing okay? I, I worry about you sometimes. I might have been writing and working up an appetite at the exact same time, it seems. <laughs> well, I'm no expert, but I have been told that uh, reaching out into the sort of miasma of energy that is Seattle and drawing those cosmic conclusions is hungry work. 
Well, folks, it's just about time for our commercial break, but stick around, because afterwards we've got an interview with Dr. Peter Shallot and a couple more things planned for you. So, on to the ads. Radio SGN is brought to you by the Washington Department of Health. The Washington Department of Health is partnering with Seattle Gay News in order to bring you up-to-date information about your vaccination. For more information, go to doh.wa.gov or cdc.gov vaccines. That's doh.wa.gov or cdc.gov vaccines. Joining me today in the SGN office is Dr. Peter Shallot. Uh, he's got his own private practice. He's a clinical professor of medicine at UW, a contributor to the Seattle Times with a PhD in genetics. He's been working in HIV care since the 80s while he was still in med school. Um, did I miss anything, doctor? <laughs> That's good. That's fine. That's Wonderful. Plenty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, now, we're going to be talking a little bit about medicine, a little bit about the community, but uh, there's been a question that's been burning on my mind since I've been setting these up. Um, is it true you have three cats? And if so, what are their names? So the three cats are Bunny, who is a rescue that was living in a chicken coop, and then uh, George and <coughs> Leland. So Bunny, George, and Leland. Very nice. And you are right here in Capitol Hill, uh, sort of our friendly neighborhood doctor. Yeah. Of course, your um, your uh, practice is on uh, First Hill. Right. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, how long have you had your practice on First Hill? Since 1990, just when I finished training. So you are general health, but you specialize in gay men's health. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sort of by default, yeah. um, but that's true. The majority of my patients are gay men. And uh, how'd you get into that? I mean, besides, you know, life <laughs> itself. Right. It's yeah. life. I mean, so so I, I went to med school at sort of an older age. Uh, I had already been uh, a functional adult out of college for five years when I went to med school. And I was, um, you know, I was out gay. And, and so coming to med school in the 80s as a gay man was still not okay, actually. It was still not okay. So I was sort of one foot in, one foot out of the closet during med school. Um, and then in med school and in residency, which comes after, uh, you get to experience all different specialties. And honestly, when I went to med school, my goal was to do just what I ended up doing, but I didn't think it was possible. I mean, my goal was to be sort of like a small town doc in the big city, but taking care of my community, which was sort of the general queer community, not only gay men, but everybody in that sort of broad community. Um, it's, it totally didn't seem possible when I was in med school. Everybody was tracked to uh, more specialized areas. But um, when I was just finishing, I had the opportunity to take over a practice of uh, an older physician that had a mostly gay male practice. And it, and it was at the height of the AIDS epidemic, the really bad times. And I jumped in, and there it sort of grew organically. It was a small practice when I took over. And who did you take over from, just out of curiosity? So the doc is named Henry Kuharik. Mm -hmm. uh, he's still around. Um, he he uh, he retired when I took over in 1990, but um, 
he's uh, a force of nature. He's 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 still in the, around in the community. That's always it's always great to see people still active after yeah. you know they stopped doing what they were doing professionally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see people active in the community. Now I did check out your uh, practices website and I noticed something. Uh, it says that it's an attitude-free zone on your website. Now, could could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, um, we we put that in just because, honestly, a lot of the people that come to us, um, they may have had negative experiences in dealing with a general medical-type clinic, and we try to make it clear before people come that uh, we're we don't have an attitude about people's sexuality, their gender identity, whatever. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's really, our practice is like really a really queer space, which is kind of amazing to me because med school is kind of a little bit formal and stuffy. And yet this is one of the most immersive queer occupations I could ever have imagined doing. Absolutely. I mean, you get really uh, up close and personal with the community that you serve, right? It's interesting being in an environment where being uh, cis heterosexual is unusual and it's sort of the minority and spending my days in that environment. And it and so what it leads to is uh, a lack of a um, an inhibition or a wall between the patients and the providers where that part is the non-issue and then what are the issues are whatever their medical concerns are it's great that you can set up and have set up an established sort of a practice in the city for people uh like us you know um so as uh, you at home have already heard in the uh the ads we are partially funded for the next few episodes by the department of health of washington so of course we have to talk a little bit about covid and vaccinations like you said, you're fairly immersed in your practice in the community. And I guess my question is, what is the general sense in the LGBTQIA plus community that you've seen uh, when it comes to vaccinations, COVID or otherwise? I think some of it is biased by who comes to see us because it's obviously people that are proactive about their health. Uh, So I've seen very little hesitancy about vaccines and very little uh, concern about taking the right precautions besides vaccines to not get infected. But again, this is people we see. This is, for instance, uh, folks that are taking PrEP to prevent HIV or get regular STD screenings or come in for their hormone therapy. You know, these these are people that are taking care of themselves. And that's the population I see. And I can't really speak for certainly their groups, even within the LGBTQ community, where it's not like that. What are, what are your thoughts on, I mean, vaccination, I guess, in general, or on the uh, proactiveness that you've seen uh, in the community? I mean, I think, I think the whole pandemic and the lockdowns are so toxic. Hmm. Uh, I mean, the pandemic itself is toxic because it makes people sick, and it not only, you can not only die from it, but you can, if you don't die, you can still get sick enough and get damaged enough that you may never recover actually, or you may have a very long road to recovery. So it's a a nasty uh, virus medically, but also psychologically, the effect of 
not having in-person social interactions and sort of being afraid to go outside and afraid to do your shopping, that has a, a toxic effect on people too. And and really the vaccine is our way out of that. So, and, and again, having given a lot of vaccines, I, I think that at least a lot of the people I've given vaccines to they see it that way, mm-hmm. so they're they're sort of even emotional about getting the vaccine. I've had people cry when when they get the vaccine. It's it's impressive. Wow. I mean, it's been a long haul. Twenty twenty was rough on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> and we're in dealing with toxic politics and toxic virus all in the same year. Absolutely. Well, I guess backtracking a little bit, you have been studying and working with uh, HIV and HIV treatment for a long long time in the community. Um, Would you care to uh, sort of, I guess, illuminate your career for us and for the listeners at home? Sure. I, I, um, it makes me feel old, you know, because then I start feeling like I'm one of these old people that gives an oral history so that the next generations will remember. But I think that's really true uh, in the sense that I experienced, and also some of my peers not in medicine as community members experienced a horrible pandemic slash holocaust in the 80s and 90s that killed more people than COVID has killed so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took longer to kill them, but for a long time in the 1980s and the early 90s, there was nothing that could be done other than kind of um, buying a little bit of time. Um, But I took care of so many people in the early 90s who died because we didn't have good treatment. And just starting there and then leaping to 2021 it's like night and day and i think the there that's wonderful and it's a blessing but that's because of the treatments we have and the problem is that i think some people don't understand how evil the hiv virus actually is if it's left to do what it wants to do yeah i mean i was born in 95 sorry uh just in advance but i I never had to experience that or anything. And a lot of uh, my peers and a lot of members of, of the community that I'm more familiar with have no idea. I say this all the time. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? We wouldn't be able to be where we are today if it weren't for the advocacy and activism of uh, everyone for the past, like, 40 years in the community. And um, we're very, very lucky to be where we are. And this is coming out uh, Pride Week. So let's let's talk about the history. Let's talk about the reasons we're proud. And it's not just, you know, identity, but it's also history and culture. For sure. We must not forget the 80s and 90s and what it was like. It's, it's kind of like the, the actual Holocaust. And it's not good to compare anything to the actual Holocaust in the 40s, but... The similarity is that people, there are deniers and there are people that don't want to learn about it and people forget about how horrible it was. And similarly with the the AIDS epidemic, um, we can't forget. And we can't forget not only how many people that it killed, but also how wrong the governmental response was to it for many years and how neglected it was probably because of who it was affecting. It does sort of um, echo in the government's response to COVID uh, a little bit. Not quite the same thing, but the way that Americans respond to illnesses that affect people that 
quote-unquote aren't them seems to have been echoed time and time again throughout history. As a medical professional, is there a way that the general public can sort of arm themselves against that thinking? Well, how can we learn from these things? I mean, COVID was sort of AIDS speeded up in a sense of what it did to the population, the people it killed, but the other parts of it, like the denialism, um, and there's still a little bit of HIV denialism out there, Mm -hmm. but it was quite strong in the 80s and early 90s, and that's toxic and that, that kills people. There were people who felt that um, the virus was not the cause of AIDS and that that if they did certain things or lived a certain way, they wouldn't get sick. And we have similar situations today where you hear people say, my immune system is strong, so I don't really need the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I don't need to wear a mask. I'm a healthy person. And then some of those situations to see what happened to them when they got the virus and they ju- just got just as sick as anybody else. My favorite COVID quote-unquote cure back in the beginning was just drinking silver. That was a big oh, thing. Yeah. Um, I used to work in a small shop, but we had a man who he just turned purple from that. And I mean, it's funny, but it's sad, you know what I mean? Because he got just as sick as everyone else. It is. It's hard. And and. Honestly, I've never been able to break through uh, that when people have those kind of beliefs. I I have not been able to um, alter them. I, I kind of feel that people that have these strong beliefs about some weird health thing, um, I just have to kind of be with them. And, and you know, there's this, there's this, uh, this word or phrase, uh, motivational interviewing, where you don't really sort of challenge people and push them but instead you sort of walk with them and try to have them figure out um, that maybe their ideas aren't quite right or what they're doing isn't isn't good for them so your recommendation when uh, encountering ideas like this in the wild would be to just ask questions yeah yeah i yep for sure <laughs> good i'm glad we're on the same page i do i do a similar thing um yeah well Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you for coming all the way to the office. Uh, the loudest street corner in uh, the city of Seattle, it seems like sometimes. But um, it's okay. that is all the questions I've got for you today. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Anything you'd like to tell the community or the listeners out there? Well, I think just to echo what we talked about a little bit, that it's really important, especially in Pride Month, to think about how far we've really come and... Um, how different things were, and each each decade things get better, but the fight doesn't seem to ever end. Mm-hmm. So just remember remember that, keep that in mind, and don't take for granted what we have now, even if it's not enough. Wise words. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Shalit. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. What a... Just a nice individual he was to talk to. Um, he came all the way from his home to meet me at the SGN office. Yeah, he's lived an interesting life. You know, he's he's been working in the community for years and years and years. Um, yeah, just a great guy. You know, Lindsay, you have a book club that you run for the SGN. Like, I'm a big reader. I'm a giant nerd. Let's face it. I'm a huge dork. But um, I love to read. Could you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, so uh, this book club originally started out of this kind of anti-capitalist desire I had to go around and acclimate myself with some of these smaller bookstores that are, you know, fighting the man, Amazon, Jeff Bezos. And that kind of blossomed into getting book recommendations from these local business owners um, on queer literature, either by queer authors, and most of these are featuring LGBTQ stories and characters. And we have everything from memoirs to graphic novels to really sappy Hallmark level romance books. And each each book that we recommend is its own different story. It there there there's no theme besides LGBTQ representation here. And so we are featuring a different book about every week, give or take how long the books are. It might take a little longer to read. And we are posting them online on Instagram at SGN underscore books. So if you're interested in reading along with us, please uh, give us a follow and pick up the latest copy that we'll be reading. And please comment along your thoughts on the book as you're reading. And we've got some engaging reading questions as well as photos of my cat to model the books. <laughs> your cat is very cute. <laughs> Thank you. His name speak, is Oliver. Speak. <laughs> I like that's, that. It's great. I, I'm more of a plant person, um, and I'm not very good at that either. Hannah, you've got animals. Yeah, I got a little puppy dog last week, and he's he gets the zoomies, but other than that, he just naps and loves tummy rubs. He's awesome. What's his name? Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to grow out of the house one day. No. Oh. Absolutely. Um, I've been trying to save up for a pet snail for a long time. Uh, just a milk snail. They're like bright white and uh, I have to like buy it in pieces so that I can afford rent. But right now I have absolutely nothing to, <laughs> to show for my savings. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to name it Rebus. Rebus. That's cool. I actually had a mystery snail. Um, they are so fun to watch. Well, Super I assume chill. with, I assume they're a lot of fun with all of the mysteries they throw your way. Ugh. You got to solve these clues. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I um, have a snail, but my sister's fish murdered it. So. Oh fuck! Wait, I have a whole aquarium. <laughs> I have to get rid of, and I I don't know what to do with it. But. No, this is breaking news. This fish did it. Was it in the tank with the fish, or was it in a separate tank, and the fish somehow devised a way to kill it, Moriarty style, in a way that you could maybe trace it back? Like, there was, was there a... How did this happen? It was a communal tank, so actually the fish was there first, and um, we decided to add the snail for, you know, some fun ambiance and diversity, and... Um, you know, my sister's insane, and the whole reason she wanted a fish was because she went through a, a shark phase. And so she wanted a pet shark, and my parents, there was no way in hell they would give their seven-year-old a shark. So she got a fish and named yeah. him Jaws, and he was aggressive like a shark, and he he broke the snail's um, shell and then ate it. So may I ask what kind of fish 
it was was it a betta fish it was not a betta fish it was oh i do not know what type it looked like a trout but it was called a shark something like a rainbow shark i don't know but that's why she wanted it because the shark was in the title and um the fish that actually killed the snail was not the first jaws it was like the fourth jaws but my sister didn't know because she would replace him she actually came home from a party once and was like oh my god he grew and we were just like yep overnight he got bigger (laughs) your family is so nice for (laughs) making sure she never knew oh my gosh yeah i had a hermit crab once um and it was in the same tank as my one of my kid brother's hermit crabs and um his hermit crab ate my hermit crab survival of the fittest all right it's time for the community calendar any events that uh you're looking forward to hannah yeah, Mopop is actually having an exhibit called Rise Up, Stonewall and the LGBTQ Rights Movement, uh, and it will open on June 6th and will last until September 12th. It highlights LGBTQ plus rights movement, and it also has displays from local artists, activists, and trailblazers. Uh, it's really cool. You should go and check it out. You can get tickets online. Um, they're not too expensive, and Another interesting thing to note is that it's a traveling exhibit too. So Seattle is one of the locations and they've just, Mopop has taken it and done a really great local angle on it with Seattleites. So love a museum. Yeah. And I was speaking with the curator of the exhibit and what she relayed to me is that they will have an abundance of historical artifacts that includes tennis rackets, old magazines, and newspapers. And then there's also going to be a really awesome comic book section. Love that. If I'm not mistaken, we've been in contact with Mopop here at the SGN, trying to get them some of the artifacts from our archive. Um, So swing by, everybody. Lindsay, you're, uh, you're going to a Pride event coming up, right? Yeah, so actually two of my little sisters are coming into town next weekend, and we will be going to take Black Pride on Saturday and Sunday, and I'm very excited because this is going to be my first time going to Pride. Oh, you're a little baby queer. I always forget that. That's very sweet. That's great. Um, Of course, you know, as white folks, we will be paying the, uh, the reparations, the, uh, the $10 to $50 suggested donation. I think it's sort of our duty as people uh, with a certain amount of privilege based on skin tone to help out the BIPOC community, especially the QT BIPOC community and all of our uh, friends and loved ones there. So that's great. Um, I will, of course, be manning the SGN booth, or they theming the SGN booth, I guess, Uh, uh, trying to do my best over at the AMP, uh, just... uh, handing out newspapers, handing out tote bags, handing out stickers, handing out unsolicited advice, usually fashion advice, because look at me. And, um, you know, that'll be fun. Uh, For any and all coverage of LGBTQIA2 Spirit Plus news, check out SGN. Uh, We're working on our website. We're working on... Uh, bringing ourselves kicking and screaming into the 21st century, and goddamn if we're not screaming, right, every day. Um, a more serious note, uh, sort of a change of tone. Um, there was uh, an attack uh, 
at a Pride event in South Florida uh, over the weekend. Um, two dead, one injured, I believe. Uh, somebody drove their pickup truck directly into the crowd. And um, on behalf of everyone here at SGN, uh, yeah, uh, my heart goes out to you um, and, and the, the grieving loved ones and the community in South Florida. With that being said, I'd just like to say I want everyone to have a blast on this upcoming Pride weekend, and safety is the most important, so have fun and be safe, and check out our booth. (laughs) Wear your masks if you're not vaccinated, wash your hands, be careful where you stick your tongue, everybody, be careful. That's, uh, that's from personal experience. I caught COVID from a friend of mine and um, don't recommend it. Uh, you know, you think the vaccine is bad. My lungs are Swiss cheese. You know, I highly, 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 highly recommend following every CDC guideline and getting that vaccination as quickly as possible if you haven't already. I'm out of breath just saying that. Yeah, you know, one thing that is interesting being back in eastern Washington over the weekend is just seeing the the dramatic difference between the way that Seattle handles COVID and it's been dealt with here in Spokane. Um, we, you know, Seattle has the highest vaccination rate in the nation right now, which is great. And yet we still have um, a lot of businesses are still closed for, you know, dine-in. Um, people are wearing their masks everywhere, which is great uh, in Spokane. People have stopped wearing their face gaiters and they're just sporting that open nose look. I went to the mall with my sister yesterday. There was a business that said, uh, please wear your masks. And she went, I'm vaccinated. It's okay. And walked on in. I've seen a lot of that in Vancouver too, even before vaccinations really hit the market. But you're right. There is a complete difference uh, just between counties and stay safe out there in Spokane. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Getting some weird yeah. looks with my mask, but it's... <laughs> Same here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy because I'm from California. I'm from, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, and compared to how they're handling it or have been handling it since, Washington, Seattle even, very, very lax comparatively. Like, things have been shut down there forever. Of course, uh, Gavin Newsom, who I think looks a lot like the guy from... Um, American Psycho, but he just decided out of nowhere, yeah, we're open. Okay. Like after, after months and months and months of really, really strict rules. I'm not recording uh, in California, but my mother is flying into town. Um, Well, actually she's staying in Olympia right now and she's going to be in town uh, probably by the time this show comes out. So she's been very interested in sort of what is the status? Does she have to wear a mask? What's going on? Um, you know, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. It's third base. Tina is a lovely hurricane of a woman. And I will hopefully have a lot to tell you guys about her visit next time. Or, better yet, have nothing eventful happen during my mother's visit and not have to report on it next time. Last time she was in town, uh, we went out for dinner, and then it became drinks, and then she tried to start a bar fight at a karaoke bar. 
she is 5'4", 110 pounds, uh, feisty, feisty woman, love her dearly. Um, so yeah, shout out to both of my parents this episode. Um, anyway, that's all for the show, I assume, unless you guys have any notes you want to add. Yeah, I'd just like to say I hope everyone had a great Father's Day. Shout out to all the dads, all the single dads, especially on Father's Day. I hope it was pretty remarkable. Wait, hold up. Before before we go, speaking of Father's Day, because I keep forgetting that's a thing, Lindsay, you did a report on gay dads. I did. I got in contact with two different uh, couples of fathers, the Crowleys and the Lowrys. Uh, the Crowleys, Rob and Rob, are proud fathers to three beautifully adopted children, and they talked to me a lot about the process of going through adoption and learning to be uh, two white dads of a biracial daughter and two black kids. So it's it's a very good read, very inspirational. And um, then I talked to Mac Lowry, whose husband Derek Lowry. Um, they have just finished the process of surrogacy and welcomed two twin infant boys this year. And so their kind of journey along that way and being new dads, two twins and never sleeping and drinking too much coffee. And then um, my last kind of addition to that story was talking to Angela about her dad, who we all know as George Bacon, um, in monumental voice here at SGN and a father to many symbolically and, of course, father to our paper and getting Angela's unique take on what he was like as a father to her. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Angela Craigan is, of course, our publisher and the owner of SGN, inherited it from her father when George passed um, and she's the reason we're all here right now well okay I think that does it for us thank you guys so much for listening out there in LGBTQ land and uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on social media SGN podcast and radio SGN on Twitter because I screwed up we like to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah, that's that's kind of the SGN motto. Keep them on their toes. Keep them, keep them bouncing. And please don't forget to go and check out Lindsay's book club. Yes, that's SGN underscore books on Instagram. And yeah, like, comment, even if it's just to tell me how cute my kitten is. We'd love to hear it. That's the show, y'all. Thank you so much again for listening. We really appreciate you. This is a community broadcast podcast. We uh, rely on the support of all of you guys. And, um, yeah, we'll see you in the funny pages. Radio SGN is recorded by A.V. Eichenbaum, Hannah Saunders, and Lindsay Anderson, and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was by Jesse Spillane and T.R.G. Banks, or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time. Okay, I'm going to stop recording.